Hello, and welcome to the Race, Wealth, and Health Podcast, a podcast that serves to educate and empower while we explore the intersections of social justice, economic empowerment, and holistic well-being with the communities of color. I am your host, Dr. Joycelyn Morris, and I invite you to join me as we dive deep into the crucial topics that shape our lives, challenge the status quo, and strive for a more equitable future for all. Welcome back to our conversation on choosing self. This week, we continue our exploration with Dr. Amanda Wilkinson as she shares more about her wellness journey and the empowerment that comes with personal transformation. Let's listen in. Yeah, no, absolutely. So Dr. Wilkinson, Amanda, I'm going to call you Amanda because we're ripping down titles and, and formality here. I All I will say on the subject of church and the religion of attending church religiously, that you and I are definitely on the same page there. But taking a couple of steps back to what you mentioned around your family and that things had to change. And so to share a little bit about my personal journey, similar to you, I started my physical wellness journey at top of 2020, right ahead of the pandemic and lost a significant amount of weight, the majority of which I've been able to maintain since 2020. That being said, I know personally that as you start to focus on you and center you, different relationships change, right? And so I'd love for you to just give a little insight. What did it look like in terms of those relationships changing? Because I don't think people talk enough about the fact that As you're making some real transformational changes in the way that you are choosing to operate and show up in this world, a lot of the other things will change, which can be uncomfortable, honestly, and take some time and, and even disappointing, like the relationships that maybe you once had friends, family, otherwise, some of them aren't able to continue and certainly not able to continue in the same way. And so I'd be curious for you to, to share what was that like for you? So I want to say this, and maybe people are going to knock me for saying it, but let me say it like this. Black people have always been body positive, right? You know, we, we for the most part, if you show up and you look great, you smell good, you could be this big or this big. We go for you, right? And I don't think it's the same feeling when people are trying to, well, for me, when I was trying to scale down, like I got a, a lot of questions. You'd be surprised. People would ask me, girl, why are you trying to lose weight? Like, you know, well, what's the big deal? You're pretty like you are. And I'm like, yeah, I know God made me the way I am, but also gave me a mouth to feed myself. And maybe I've been overindulging, right? You know, it, it, it was just very, very weird. And this is where I think the most important point I want to make around that is I had to have my own personal constitution about what I wanted for my life beyond what people thought was good or best for me. Even if it was not shaming my unhealthy habits, right? But I had to say to myself, this is what you want. My family, for the most part, they support the results. They support the process. Why are you getting up early in the morning to go walking? It's dangerous. And I'm like, damn, nobody's going to tell me it's dangerous to eat whatever I have in my hand. It's dangerous to, you know, have so much sugar. But you will tell me it's dangerous to get up and go and walk because of the time of day that I am going. Okay. 
You ain't got to do all that walking. So again, we have to put these things in perspective because one, I know my parents, my family and friends, they did it out of love. But also I have to sort of really make sure that that love is the kind of love I need to receive to meet my personal goals. Another thing is that I think overall, and I, I can't say this enough, black people, yes, we're body positive, but in relationships that are not, when it's love relationships, romantic relationships, I could talk about this all day. Men have their picks in ways that women, we will accept who you are and think about building our lives together mm-hmm. and not worry about the package it comes in because we are going to center all of our work on outcome and results. You know, so friend can be tall, dark, and handsome. And we're like, thank you, God. And friend can be frumpy and, and short and thick. And we'll be like, thank you, God. At least that was my perspective in a way that men don't think the same way. Now, I had never been with anybody that said to me, you need to lose weight or anything like that. But men do think about me very differently. Like, I feel like I have to be more defensive about what I do with and around men because they take personal prerogative to say things to me that are just inappropriate. Let's be real. I don't think children are listening to this podcast, but the purpose of this is to talk about race, wealth, and health. And I will tell you for the first time in my life, as a 40 year old woman, I've had to deal with, how do I tell this man who is really trying to come on to me? I'm not interested and feel safe doing that. Cause that wasn't a problem I had to deal with before. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm going with this? And so yep. this is where my family ends up being very important for me because they also really ground me and make me feel like, girl, yes, you can. I remember one time I was literally at a, at a meeting and a gentleman who I respected, a little older than I am, and he was, in a, he was not in academe, but he had like a C-suite position, if you will. And he invited me out to dinner and it was going fine. We were talking very platonically, like, what are some of your goals? You know, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm getting individual attention from someone who can help me advance the way I think about my entrepreneurial pursuits. And he flew into town for a, a, a meeting that was in the Orlando area. And he invited me to dinner and the place we ended up deciding to have dinner at was at his, the hotel he's at. Now the hotel is a resort. So there's this fine dining that we went to. And then at the end of the night, I'm going back because he said, well, why don't you, you put your car and valet it so you don't have to walk to a dark, you know, garage and charge it to my room or whatever. So I'm like, okay, again, harmless, harmless. And then at the end of the night, I just want to say, I'm I'm listening. I'm hearing you. (laughs) At the end of the night, he was like, so do you want dessert? Now, I take it as... Oh no, I really do not consume a lot of sugar. If it's sugar, it has to be less than 200 calories, less than 20 carbs, not more than 10 grams of sugar, else I don't eat it, right? And even then, I'm not gonna eat, because sugar contributes to a lot of diseases that we have in our body. Anyway, so I was like, oh no, I don't want any sugar. He was like, no, you don't get it. I'm inviting you to my room. I don't care if you eat dessert or not. I was so taken aback because I had never been propositioned in that way. And I didn't feel like I knew how to say no without it being. This guy had just given me the blueprint, if you will, for ways that I can do myself. And it was so uncomfortable 
for me, right? But men did do that to me. They saw me as the homegirl. They used to see me as the smart girl. Amanda knows a lot of different things. That's how they saw me. But it was one of the first times, and this happened on a number of different occasions, where my presence has been sexualized and I've been objectified for what this man wants. And it didn't happen to me when I was heavier and cute with my lashes in my wig. But now it's happening. And so, first of all, I've been totally disgusted, not because of a weight issue. It's just the audacity of a man to invite me to his room. And the entire time we'll have a totally separate conversation. So I don't owe you anything but a thank you. And the way you want me to thank you is to come to your room. And then he checked in with me days later just to see, because we ended it abruptly and oddly. I was just like, I'm going to go to my car right now. I hope you have a good night. That was the only way I knew how to end it. Even though I had a million questions in my head. He checked in with me days later and was just like, are we still friends? And that was patronizing because he knew he had done something that had crossed the line. And he didn't really care about my feelings in that point. He cared more about what I thought about his approach, which was disgusting, corrosive, Mm -hmm. and unnecessary, right? And so a part of this journey has been about allowing myself to make sure that I don't fall into the trap of, oh, now these men want and they desire you. Do whatever you want with them because maybe that attention wasn't there in that way before. But I'm too old to be stupid about that. And I don't find it to be attractive or endearing to invite me to your bedroom and barely know my middle or last name, barely know what I like and I don't like, you know. So that's been a part of this journey, too. Like, how do I exist in this new body? And my family, they help me with that part, even if they ain't going to help me get to the, the, the kind of wellness point I want. They help me feel good about saying, girl, you know how to say no. Or Amanda, you don't owe anybody anything. Things like that. My circle of girlfriends. I have better relationships with my friends now, primarily because I know how to compartmentalize them in my life. No friend relationship is better than the one that I have with myself. And I'm going to tell y'all the secret, y'all. You got to do that. So when somebody says, I'm having a birthday party for my daughter, I don't show up first. I don't have children. And you're there to celebrate your daughter. See you when we can do mimosas, that sort of thing. And not feeling bad about it, but that's how my family has helped. So I, I know I talked about what they don't do. Like when it comes to food, I'm very particular about what I'm eating. I only want to eat organic food. Well, I was going to ask you about that, kind of going to the wellness piece. Well, you mentioned that you were in the 400s. And so for our yes. listeners, how much do you weigh now? Because I want them to understand that. I'm telling that- you. So I weigh 188 pounds, nice and soaking wet. I don't know what a goal weight for me is because at this point, I'm I'm really just trying to be healthy. I'm thinking about my blood pressure and what I wanted at a resting heartbeat and what I want at a workout heartbeat. Those are some of the goals that I have now. You know, in terms of aesthetically, I like the way I look. I've always liked the way I look. I was looking at a picture yesterday in preparation for this conversation and thought to myself, come a long way. But my the journey of me loving me was never about I used to hate myself. That's different from me. It was more or less about, girl, you were in the hospital on the sick bed, and these people didn't think you could make it, and you proved it, and that meant a lifestyle change. So I weigh 188 now. But a lot of what my wellness is about is really about making sure that, one, 
I am putting myself in a position where I can be optimally healthy so I can fuel some of the things that I want to do. Right. And so literally you've lost over 200 pounds. So I just want to say congratulations to that. I Thank want to you. pause and honor you in that uh, journey and not that long of a time because I mean, COVID wasn't that long ago. Right. So, right. and also celebrate you on this podcast, celebrate the changes that you're making because it wasn't easy. Like you said earlier, it requires sacrifice. It requires change. And a lot of times that is so much easier said than done. And one thing that you mentioned too, when you were heavier and, and at your heaviest, that it wasn't a reflection of you uh, not loving yourself. Or I think you said specifically, it was a reflection of you hating yourself. And I would love to add, at least for me, that shift and that change in terms of weight loss, it, it, I agree with you. It wasn't about me hating myself, but it was about me not knowing how to best love myself. And, and I so- would agree with and as I learned how to better love myself, because I didn't see that in the example in terms of being selfish, selfish is not bad. Let's take away the idea, the negative connotation of selfish. There is self-centered and then there's selfish, right? And so being a little selfish, I personally don't think it's bad, but learning how to do that, learning how to prioritize me, learning what it meant to love me and, and loving me is saying no to some things too. Love is, I think Will Smith said it once and I, it really resonated with me, but he said that love for yourself is discipline. I don't see where he's lying in that. I said it a little earlier. I had to find joy in sacrifice. That sacrifice has a lot to do with being disciplined. Do I get it right every day? No, but like I journal a lot. I think people don't have a, a way of having an outlet and processing how they feel because they're, mm -hmm. I, I call myself a very selfish writer. I will write things that are just for me. And then I'm a giving writer. I will write things that is for, you know, public domain, right? Mm -hmm. In my selfish writing, I have to remind myself of things like holidays are not for gorging on food. Mm -hmm. Some people don't have to go there. I do. Fourth of July, I don't know when this is coming out, it's right around the corner. My family, as I told you, we like to celebrate. And in the African-American tradition, it's around food, right? Most communities of color, I just want to edit that to say a lot mm -hmm. of like communities of color, we celebrate, we center food in celebrations. And it's no different from my family. And so I have literally... I call them love notes now because I wanted to correct the tone and tenor in my letters to myself. I used to be very hard, like, don't do this, don't do that. And I mm -hmm. found that when I tell myself, don't, I do. But in my letter to myself, I'm like, the holidays aren't a time to gorge. Do three things that are in community with your family, but not about eating. So one of the things I said I was going to do is I'm going to get fireworks and I'm going to enjoy sparklers. I have not played with a sparkler since I was a kid, right? So it's one of the things I'm gonna do. I said, oh, Indiana Jones is coming out. I'm gonna recommend that maybe we go to the movies as a family together. Now, we are gonna have a 4th of July shindig. My mother is gonna invite everybody over. Her grandchildren are probably gonna jump in the pool, but it will not be about eating and overeating. It will be about being in fellowship with people that I love and I care for, and I'm giving them this space and opportunity and time so I can enjoy them, not more than I'm enjoying food. And that's what someone like me has to tell the girl who still 
The same girl who's changed physically, but has some of the mindset of the 432-pound woman. I have to tell myself, it cannot be about the food, girl. Use food to fuel you, to nourish you. Use your family to love. And sometimes we we love food more than we love the, the person that even makes it. Ooh, that pie was good. Ooh, and I have to say to myself, it's not about that. Yeah. It's and even for those who may be listening, even struggling with it, you know, personally, what I've had to say too is, Joycelyn, you know what that tastes like. You've had it before. Like you, you've had that experience. Is it good? Some of it, some of it is, some of it is. Some of it's just okay, right? So there's also been a shift and a change in, in terms of if I'm going to expand my calories, it's definitely not going to be on mediocre food. Like I have to love it. But also it was the idea that that you've done that. You've had that case. You've had the things for years. And so to get a different result, you're going to have to do something different. Absolutely. And I will tell you that some of the things that I'm learning in those moments where I love myself, right? they transfer over to the things that I do to sustain myself professionally. I'm in the midst right now of putting together an outline for a book, for a publishing press that I want to get on. And I've been on academic publishing press, but now I want to be on a university press. And someone was saying to me, you can't do Harvard Press. And I thought to myself, yes, I can. They do case studies. I write case studies. They like when you explain things through voices that have experienced stuff. I can do that. Now, why am I saying that? Because right now what I'm doing is every day I look at that outline and I'm putting something there. Before I send it to my editor, these are the skills that I taught myself over the last three years when it comes to my own wellness. It's transferring over to myself professionally. Probably the things I needed to learn, you know, even though I was like begrudging the relationship that ended. And God bless um, him. He's married now and I hope that he's happy, right? But within that relationship, I had done things where I wasn't being dedicated and all that. But now I have the skill set. And so I know how to use it in different areas of my life. And this is where I think it is the connecting point for your audience. Yes, I'm talking about health, but because I'm more um, concerned and aware of my health, I can think about my wealth. You know, because I'm more concerned about my well-being, I can show up more powerfully as a black educated female assistant professor at a PWI in an environment um, or in an apparatus within a state where it's corrosive right now to really be in higher education in the way that I'm doing it. Because I definitely talk yes. about race in my writing. I don't apologize about that. And, and I'm doing it in a way where I feel that I'm really trying to advance new knowledge about the experiences of students that have been ignored in higher education. But I can't do that if I don't have my health. I'm, I just can't. Yeah. And thank you for that lovely transition because obviously you've talked about race, right? You talked about mm -hmm. how race shows up. And what, but specifically, now that you are on this new journey, how do you see the intersection of, of health and wealth for yourself and, and even in general? I've been... I don't want to say emphatically because that feels so definite, but I have really understood wealth in a different way. I used to only think about it in a very transactional, monetary way, if you will. And now my understanding of wealth is that you're, I can't have wealth outside of health. My health allows me to pursue monetary wealth, but my health is wealth itself. It is a standalone commodity that allows me to have the kind of life that I want to have. 
And also, to be quite honest with you, I treasure it just like it has some monetary value, meaning like I'm very protective uh, of it. You know, and I'm not just talking about counting my calories. I'm talking about just being having mindfulness where I can sit in a room and say to myself, you know, I don't have to worry about being out of breath. Oh, I don't have to worry about, oh, are they going to walk somewhere? I, those things don't cross my mind anymore as they did when I was unhealthy. And so it feels freeing to allow that part of my mind that would go there all the time. That's not a space I have to go to. So now I can use that space for something else. I can be more creative about things that are not problem solving around unhealthy habits. And that's very important for me. I think it's important for everybody. Just give yourself a chance. And whatever that chance looks like, just be consistent with it. That's it. It's no magic pill. Mm-hmm. I wish it were. I wish right. it were that way for me, but it wasn't. Everybody has their own journey. Do understand that this happened for me as I was turning 40. I was in my late 30s. So I had a a whole lifetime because we know people that have passed away before hitting 40 for various different reasons that have nothing to do with their health per se. But I had a whole lifetime where I was quite all right. But it it did take uh, one of those, you know, moments where you go, okay, God, help. And he was like, no, I'll give you all to help yourself. Yeah. And, and so sort of wrap or kind of bring things together around your wellness journey. It sounds like there was a healing, right? There was an internal shift. And, and I know you and I talked about this before, like my personal journey for me, it was like me losing weight. The physical changes for me were a reflection of the internal changes. And I think you even mentioned earlier, changing the way you, you talk to yourself, right? And, and I'm assuming it means giving yourself grace. And so, you know, if you had to tell the listeners like what that process was, that internal healing and how that, whether that was parallel to the physical or just how that journey came about for you. You know, there's this great quote that I love to read all the time to remind myself about the process and journey. And it's by Dr. King. He says, if you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. And if you can't crawl, just keep going. But by all means, never give up. And one of the things that I think is important that I want to say, I know with Black women, we're very engaged and focused, especially educated ones who are pursuing their professional goals and dreams, we can be very fixated on those professional sort of images of what makes us successful. You know, do you have all the training? Do you have the right credential? Do you have that suit hanging in your closet? Do you have the right circle of friends? Like, it's always about networking, influencing, you know, so that you can move up that corporate ladder, if you will. And I will say the ladder depends on how well your health is. You can't move anywhere if you don't have you together. For me, it was physically. For somebody else, it could be emotionally. And that was a part of my journey too, but not a big part. You didn't have to convince me that, Amanda, you should love yourself. I loved every part of me. Okay. And I'm going to step out in the world suited and booted. 100 or 100 pounds. It does not matter. 
But I would say that the most important thing we have to do is make the realization of putting us first, putting you first and making no apologies about it. I, I don't make any bones about it. I don't apologize about it because I'm doing it in the same spirit that I was giving over giving myself to others. I'm doing that for for me now. The other thing that I think is important for um, your audience to know is that we could get consumed with the product and not enjoy the process. You have to be willing to go through that process, whatever it looks like. And I never said to myself in a year, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. My goal has always been be better than you were the day before, the week before, the month before. And so if you're seeing progress, then you know you're going to meet that product. The last thing I would say is that you have to have, besides the, the mindset and the stick-to-itiveness, which is what I'm talking about in terms of progress and, you know, just the joy and sacrifice, you really have to say to yourself, who are you doing this for and why? My why was important. My why wasn't about anybody else but me. I had a friend and she's drop dead gorgeous and we both we kid each other like girl whose wedding are we going to go to you're going to get married um so we joke um and she said something to me that i thought quite honestly it, it really surprised me she was saying you know i don't know what to do to attract me now i, I really want to put this in context she's drop dead gorgeous she is the picture of the american standards for beauty i don't know what i can do to get men to talk to me and da da da, da. and I said let's pretend her name is Jackie I said Jackie I don't think you can do anything to change a man's perspective about you I think you have to change what you love about yourself you just gotta love you and she was like that sounds too easy it sounds too right and I was like but it's true. And she said, so you don't think about that? I said, yeah, but I don't think about a man or anybody coming into my life giving me more than I give myself. It's just like, I don't think anybody's going to buy me a better outfit than I'm going to buy myself, spend more money on that outfit than I would for myself. Why do we have that about relationships? I'm not waiting to be completed. I'm waiting for companionship. Two different things, two different things. Yeah. And so I would say we really have to um, love us, care about us. So that when you are, you're attracting that in your professional lives. You know, people don't ask me to do things that they know. Well, Amanda's not going to stay on campus past a certain amount of time. Like, I know how to say very no professionally and nicely now. That's because I say yes to me now. And, and that's what we really have to do. So I, those are my words because I know for me, I wish somebody had told me in 2016, after I had graduated with my terminal degree and was entering into my professional work, that the journey was not going to be about tenure because I got 27 articles. I have two books. I'm a National Science Foundation grant awarded professional. 3% of all faculty get that grant. I got it. And I'm not even tenured or promoted yet, right? So the sky is the limit for me. But this journey that I was on professionally was going to really be about internalizing that and making a U-turn and saying, no, you got to work on you, girl. You got to do this, this for you. And so not too often do you hear that when we talk about our professional, like you're the keys to success professionally. They tell you about all the things that I just mentioned to you, but mm -hmm. you can't show up professionally unless you are taking care of yourself personally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I do feel like that's a very strong 
a finishing point is that you can't show up professionally if you're not taking care of yourself. And you just can't show up in the spaces that you value if you're not prioritizing yourself first. But if there's any other things that you want to leave our listeners with, please do share. I think if I had to add one other thing is y'all continue to be bad. Like, you know, working on us doesn't mean that we're not working just as hard in the field. I know some great folks, women, especially, I'm sorry, man, you might be listening to this podcast, continue to listen to it. There's going to be more information for you, but I know there are some bad girls, brilliant. I have a circle of friends. I'm glad to be back in relationship with Dr. Morris. I think about Dr. Watkins, Kim Peck, you know, and everything that Kim has gone through when it comes to building her own family, getting her degrees, working in academe. I can't tell her story, but I admire her. I know she probably thinks I'm crazy, but every now and then I'll text her and be like, how you doing, queen? Why? Because I, I don't know what it's like to show up the way she has to show up, but she makes it look easy. I was about to say another word. Y'all forgive me. This ain't that kind of podcast. But I know some oh, bad it can be. I can. I just click explicit. It's okay. I have a friend, Alexia Robinson. We still remain very good friends to this day. She's showing up and doing her thing in, in spaces. You know, we're doing a lot of different things. And my my message for everybody now is, girl, how are you showing up for you? How are you really doing? I'll ask my friends that often. I'll say, how are you doing? I'm doing good. If you capitulate or you go to, I'm doing good. I got this promotion. I, I got this raise or, you know, I'm leading this team. My next question is, okay, how are you really doing? We got to do that. I want to be around for a long time or until my purpose has run out. And I won't be able to do that if my purpose can't be fulfilled because I'm not showing up where I need to be personally. Y'all, we we got this. It's a different kind of feel-good talk because you're talking to somebody yeah. that I'm sitting in my, my work office right now on a university campus. Today, I was sitting in the library just trying to find new information. Then I had a meeting with my dean. I'm doing all of that, but I am still centering myself. I didn't come to this campus without checking in with Amanda first, doing my walking, meditating, whatever that looks like. Listen, I read my Bible. Maybe you want to listen to a song. Maybe you want to kumbaya and yoga. I, you could do it, but yeah. you're doing it first and all. That's all that matters. And we, we need to hear just like that very explicitly very plainly without it being attached to you gonna die because this is about living and enjoying the life that we have absolutely i couldn't have said it any better any tools or resources that you want to recommend to our listeners any books yeah. you know i'll get all your information later and make sure that we include it in the show notes but things that were helpful for you along this journey absolutely so one thing for me is i like to count my calories so my fitness pal, the premium version is good and it actually isn't very expensive, um, but I don't know what everybody pockets are looking like. Also, I I like to do my Fitbit or for me, it's my Apple watch, 10,000 steps per day. That's the minimum for me. My goal is between 12 and 15,000 every day. A gallon of water is very important. Primarily because even if you have a hiccup with your eating, if you're flushing that stuff out of your body, it works better. And writing and journaling. Like if you don't, when's the last time you had a conversation with yourself? Yeah. What I'm saying is having a conversation where you say, what are three things you want to do this week 
that has nothing to do with pleasing others. Write them down quickly and figure out which one you're going to do. You know, I have conversations with myself that is not about goal setting. It's about like checking in with me. How did you feel about that disappointment? I recently had a situation where I was really expecting an outcome that did not materialize. And I'm used to, you know, kind of just chalking it up and moving forward. And then I was like, no, you're going to write about this tonight. How did you feel about it? And I just wrote, like, it was disappointing. I felt that it, it, it didn't reflect the amount of time and effort I put into this. And I, the nice bow that I put on it wasn't like, this is what I'm going to do next time. It was just a way for me to get real with me. Yeah. I don't want to wait until it's a crisis to get real. I've been in that spot before. So those are some tools uh, that I use. Recommendations, use what works best for you. I need yes. to watch the calories uh, because there's a certain amount of calories that I want to be under every day. I also want to monitor the fact that I am um, walking. And so my steps, and for me, it's about five miles every day. That's good. I do 3K every day uh, in the morning. So that's uh, 5K every day. That's three miles. But the other thing is drinking that water. And then finally, just having a point where you could, uh, maybe, maybe you're meditating is your journaling, but having that self-talk is very important. Yes. And then lastly, how can our listeners follow and connect with you at place? I don't have a website. I, I really believe that social media has really transformed the way we connect with people. And people like to connect in real time with, and engage with you in a way where they're seeing you're making updates. And so websites tend to be, in most cases, a way to store information now. But you can check me out on Instagram. Listen, I will tell you my stories are far more interesting than my posts. Because <laughs> on there, I just post pictures with my stories. I tend to be more engaged into my everyday happenings. And that's at uh, Dr. Amanda or Dr. A.V. Wilkerson. That's on Instagram. On okay. Twitter, same thing. I really repost a lot of academic information, tools, and resources that folks can use that are sort of in my wheelhouse of things. So when you first introduced me, those three pillars of research that I'm doing, that's what I'm on. LinkedIn is another tool that I use quite frequently. And on there, you can find me under Amanda Wilkerson. I remember at one point, I used to be on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook at all anymore. But that was because when I was working on my doctorate, I had to eliminate distractions. And you know how life is. You'll look at others and think, dang, they got it good. And I was suffering in, you know, the stacks in the library reading. So if you don't follow me, follow your heart. And check in with yourself. Yes, yes. I love that. And that brings us to the end of another insightful episode of Race, Wealth, and Health Podcast with guest Dr. Amanda Wilkerson. Um, I'm your host, Dr. Joyce C. Morris, and I hope that this episode has provided you with valuable perspectives and deepened your understanding of healing the mind and body for wellness. Dr. Wilkerson, thank you again so much for joining us today. And I'm just so excited and so appreciative of your willingness to share your story. Pleasure was all. Awesome. Well, that's all for today, folks. Enjoyed the show? Be sure to like and rate the podcast. You can find the Race, Wealth, and Health podcast on multiple platforms, including Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications so you never miss an episode. I also want to hear from you, so don't forget to connect with me on social media. You can follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Race Wealth Health. By joining the online community, you'll stay updated 
on the latest episodes, behind the scenes insights, and engaging discussions. Share your thoughts, comments, and questions there. I appreciate your support in sharing the podcast with your friends, family, and colleagues who may also find value in these conversations. Thank you again for joining me on this journey. Until next time, take care, stay informed, and keep up the good fight for equality.